chapter thirty four of the history of pendennis this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the history of pendennis by william makepeace thackeray in which the history still hovers about fleet street captain shandon urged on by his wife who seldom meddled in business matters had stipulated that john finnecane esquire of the upper temple should be appointed sub-editor of forthcoming pell-mell gazette and this post was accordingly conferred upon mr finnecane by the spirited proprietor of the journal indeed he deserved any kindness at the hands of shandon so fondly attached was he as we have said to the captain and his family and so eager to do him a service it was in finnecane's chambers that shandon in former days used to hide when danger was near and bailiffs abroad until at length his hiding-place was known and the sheriff's officers came as regularly to wait for the captain on finnecane's staircase as at his own door it was to finnecane's chambers that poor mrs shandon came often and often to explain her troubles and griefs and devise means of rescue for her adored captain many a meal did finucane furnish for her and the child there it was an honour to his little rooms to be visited by such a lady and as she went down the staircase with her veil over her face finn would lean over the balustrade looking after her to see that no temple lovelace assailed her upon the road perhaps hoping that some rogue might be induced to waylay her so that he finn might have the pleasure of rushing to her rescue and breaking the rascal's bones it was a sincere pleasure to mrs shandon when the arrangements were made by which her kind honest champion was appointed her husband's aide-de-camp in the newspaper he would have sat with mrs shandon as late as the prison hours permitted and had indeed many a time witnessed the putting to bed of little mary who occupied a crib in the room and to whose evening prayers that god might bless papa finucane although of the romish faith himself had said amen with a great deal of sympathy but he had an appointment with mr bungay regarding the affairs of the paper which they were to discuss over a quiet dinner so he went away at six o'clock from mrs shandon but made his accustomed appearance at the fleet prison next morning having arrayed himself in his best clothes and ornaments which though cheap as to cost were very brilliant as to colour and appearance and having in his pocket four pounds two shillings being the amount of his week's salary at the daily journal minus two shillings expended by him in the purchase of a pair of gloves on his way to the prison he had cut his mutton with mr bungay as the latter gentleman phrased it and mr trotter bungay's reader and literary man of business at dick's coffee-house on the previous day and entered at large into his views respecting the conduct of the pell-mell gazette in a masterly manner he had pointed out what should be the sub-editorial arrangements of the paper what should be the type for the various articles who should report the markets who the turf and ring who the church intelligence and who the fashionable chit-chat he was acquainted with gentlemen engaged in cultivating these various departments of knowledge and in communicating them afterwards to the public 
in fine jack finucane was as shandon had said of him and as he proudly owned himself to be one of the best sub-editors of a paper in london he knew the weekly earnings of every man connected with the press and was up to a thousand dodges or ingenious economic contrivances by which money could be saved to spirited capitalists who were going to set up a paper he had once dazzled and mystified mr bungay who was slow of comprehension by the rapidity of the calculations which he exhibited on paper as they sat in the box and bungay afterwards owned to his subordinate mr trotter that that irishman seemed a clever fellow and now having succeeded in making this impression upon mr bungay the faithful fellow worked round to the point which he had very near at heart viz the liberation from prison of his admired friend and chief captain shandon he knew to a shilling the amount of the detainers which were against the captain at the porter's lodge of the fleet and indeed professed to know all his debts though this was impossible for no man in england certainly not the captain himself was acquainted with them he pointed out what shandon's engagements already were and how much better he would work if removed from confinement though this mr bungay denied for when the captain's locked up he said we are sure to find him at home whereas when he's free you can never catch hold of him finally he so worked on mr bungay's feelings by describing mrs shandon pining away in the prison and the child sickening there that the publisher was induced to promise that if mrs shandon would come to him in the morning he would see what could be done and the colloquy ending at this time with the second round of brandy and water although finucane who had four guineas in his pocket would have discharged the tavern reckoning with delight bungay said no sir this is my affair sir if you please james take the bill and eighteen pence for yourself and he handed over the necessary funds to the waiter thus it was that finucane who went to bed at the temple after the dinner at dick's found himself actually with his week's salary intact upon saturday morning he gave mrs shandon a wink so knowing and joyful that that kind creature knew some good news was in store for her and hastened to get her bonnet and shawl when finn asked if he might have the honour of taking her a walk and giving her a little fresh air and little mary jumped for joy at the idea of this holiday for finucane never neglected to give her a toy or to take her to a show and brought newspaper orders in his pocket for all sorts of london diversions to amuse the child indeed he loved them with all his heart and would cheerfully have dashed out his rambling brains to do them or his adored captain a service may i go charlie or shall i stay with you for your poorly dear this morning he's got a headache mr finucane he suffers from headaches and i persuaded him to stay in bed mrs shandon said go along with you and polly jack take care of em hand me over the burton's anatomy and leave me to my abominable devices shandon said with perfect good-humour he was writing and not uncommonly took his greek and latin quotations of which he knew the use as a public writer from that wonderful repertory of learning so finn gave his arm to mrs shandon and mary went skipping down the passages of the prison and through the gate into the free air from fleet street to paternoster row is not very far as the three reached mr bungay's shop mrs bungay was also entering at the private door 
holding in her hand a paper parcel and a manuscript volume bound in red and indeed containing an account of her transactions with the butcher in the neighbouring market mrs bungay was in a gorgeous shot silk dress which flamed with red and purple she wore a yellow shawl and had red flowers inside her bonnet and a brilliant light blue parasol mrs shandon was in an old black watered silk her bonnet had never seen very brilliant days of prosperity any more than its owner but she could not help looking like a lady whatever her attire was the two women curtsied to each other each according to her fashion i hope you're pretty well mum said mrs bungay it's a very fine day said mrs shandon won't you step in mum said mrs bungay looking so hard at the child as almost to frighten her i-i came about business with mr bungay i-i hope he's pretty well said timid mrs shandon if you go to see him in the counting-house couldn't you couldn't you leave your little girl with me said mrs bungay in a deep voice and with a tragic look as she held out one finger towards the child i want to stay with mamma cried little mary burying her face in her mother's dress go with this lady mary my dear said the mother i'll show you some pretty pictures said mrs bungay with the voice of an ogress and some nice things besides look here and opening her brown paper parcel mrs bungay displayed some choice sweet biscuits such as her bungay loved after his wine little mary followed after this attraction the whole party entering at the private entrance from which a side door led into mr bungay's commercial apartments here however as the child was about to part from her mother her courage again failed her and again she ran to the maternal petticoat upon which the kind and gentle mrs shandon seeing the look of disappointment in mrs bungay's face good-naturedly said if you will let me i will come up too and sit for a few minutes and so the three females ascended the stairs together a second biscuit charmed little mary into perfect confidence and in a minute or two she prattled away without the least restraint faithful finucane meanwhile found mr bungay in a severer mood than he had been on the night previous when two-thirds of a bottle of port and two large glasses of brandy-and-water had warmed his soul into enthusiasm and made him generous in his promises towards captain shandon his impetuous wife had rebuked him on his return home she had ordered that he should give no relief to the captain he was a good-for-nothing fellow whom no money would help she disapproved of the plan of the pell-mell gazette and expected that bungay would only lose his money in it as they were losing over the way she always called her brother's establishment over the way by the whitehall journal let shandon stop in prison and do his work it was the best place for him in vain finucane pleaded and promised and implored for his friend bungay had had an hour's lecture in the morning and was inexorable but what honest jack failed to do below stairs in the counting-house the pretty faces and manners of the mother and child were affecting in the drawing-room where they were melting the fierce but really soft mrs bungay there was an artless sweetness in mrs shandon's voice and a winning frankness of manner which made most people fond of her and pity her and taking courage by the rugged kindness with which her hostess received her the captain's lady told her story and described her husband's goodness and virtues and her child's failing health she was obliged to part with two of them she said and send them to school for she could not have them in that horrid place that mrs bungay though as grim as lady macbeth 
melted under the influence of the simple tale and said she would go down and speak to bungay now in this household to speak was to command with mrs bungay and with bungay to hear was to obey it was just when poor finucane was in despair about his negotiation that the majestic mrs bungay descended upon her spouse politely requested mr finucane to step up to his friends in her drawing-room while she held a few minutes conversation with mr b and when the pair were alone the publisher's better half informed him of her intentions towards the captain's lady what's in the wind now my dear Messinus asked surprised at his wife's altered tone you wouldn't hear of my doing anything for the captain this morning i wonder what has been a changing of you the captain is an irishman mrs bungay replied and those irish i've always said i couldn't abide but his wife is a lady as any one can see and a good woman and a clergyman's daughter and a west of england woman be which i am myself by my mother's side and oh marmaduke didn't you remark the little girl yes mrs b i saw the little girl and didn't you see how like she was to our angel bessie mr b and mrs bungay's thoughts flew back to a period eighteen years back when bacon and bungay had just set up in business as small booksellers in a country town and when she had had a child named bessie something like the little mary who had moved her compassion well well my dear mr bungay said seeing the little eyes of his wife begin to twinkle and grow red the captain ain't in for much there's only a hundred and thirty pound against him half the money will take him out of the fleet finucane says and we'll pay him half salaries till he has made the account square when the little un said why don't you take par out of prison i did feel it flora upon my honour i did now and the upshot of this conversation was that mr and mrs bungay both ascended to the drawing-room and mr bungay made a heavy and clumsy speech in which he announced to mrs shandon that hearing sixty-five pounds would set her husband free he was ready to advance that sum of money deducting it from the captain's salary and that he would give it to her on condition that she would personally settle with the creditors regarding her husband's liberation i think this was the happiest day that mrs shandon and mr finucane had had for a long time bedad bungay you're a trump roared out finn in an overpowering brogue and emotion give us your fist old boy and won't we send the pell-mell gazette up to ten thousand a week that's all and he jumped about the room and tossed up little mary with a hundred frantic antics if i could drive you anywhere in my carriage mrs shandon i'm sure it's quite at your service mrs bungay said looking out at a one-horsed vehicle which had just driven up and in which this lady took the air considerably and the two ladies with little mary between them whose tiny hand messinus's wife kept fixed in her great grasp with the delighted mr finucane on the back seat drove away from paternoster row as the owner of the vehicle threw triumphant glances at the opposite windows at bacon's it won't do the captain any good thought bungay going back to his desk and accounts but mrs b becomes regular upset when she thinks about her misfortune the child would have been of age yesterday if she'd lived flora told me so and he wondered how women did remember things we are happy to say that mrs shandon sped with very good success upon her errand she who had had to mollify creditors when she had no money at all and only tears and entreaties wherewith to soothe them found no difficulty in making them relent by means of a bribe of ten shillings in the pound and the next sunday was the last for some time at least 
which the captain spent in prison end of chapter thirty four